about five years ago, we asked Charlie Munger, we were sitting right there when he thought of Bitcoin, and he said, rat poison. Uh, back then, it was about $100 plus dollars per Bitcoin. Today, it's 9000 Is it still rat poison? Well, probably rat poison squared. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Public service announcement, don't forget to remind your friends and family that one Bitcoin will always be one Bitcoin. Now let's dive in. Today is Saturday, November 12th. It is 8.56 a.m. Griff, I'm excited to chat a little bit today. We've got some interesting things that have happened over this past week. Um, The elephant in the room is FTX, the exchange. Uh, We were just kind of talking about this. Uh, What is your thought? What is your initial thought shooting from the hip? Uh, FTX exchange filing for Chapter 11, which is not exactly bankruptcy. It's restructuring, uh, but it's kind of the step that you take right before you go to bankruptcy, really. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm thinking just because I've been in it even before they were collapsing, like there was a lot of rumors from Bitcoiners that this was going to happen or something was going to happen or there was just like, I mean, it's been a wild year <laughs> and my thoughts were, well, I'm, I don't do the whole exchange thing. Now, Strike, as you know, Nick, somewhere I do like buying my Bitcoin on also had a problem, but they go right back on Twitter and go, yeah. We were a prime trust liquidity partner. This was a lot of these exchanges liquidities liquidity partner who yep. is now obviously not solvent and is obviously causing lots of problems for things like crypto.com, FTX, so on and so forth. Um, but all I, I swear to God, all I was thinking was, yeah, like I don't do the whole like crypto exchange thing. Like I did for like a month. Literally, I did for like the best month ever. And I still don't go back. I feel like that's such a good sign. It's like, Guys, I made a lot of money doing it really quick. I got super lucky, and I didn't go back. Why didn't I go back? Because I listened to people talk about it, and I was like, so you're like, like you're genuinely excited about that? I was like, did you hear about this like Bitcoin thing? I mean, like, there's so many cool projects going on in Bitcoin, and uh, I saw on Twitter yesterday, Mt. Gox is like an exchange situation that happened a while ago where a lot of people obviously lost their Bitcoin because it wasn't their coin. And a lot of people who've been in the space for a while were like, this is a modern day Mount Gox, which could be a very good thing for Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the interesting piece is like, I don't know if you listened to the uh, to the space that Jack Mallers and Dave Portnoy did exactly about the FTX incident. Uh, but the one thing, thing that... Listen to, honestly. That? That's about the only thing I didn't listen to. How was what was that about? How was that? It was it was interesting. Basically, Dave Portnoy is just like kind of a a, a non Bitcoiner that is like, hey, I want to know what's going on here, and calls Jack Mahler's and says, hey, what's the deal? And they basically kind of go through it real rough. Um, and it was it was interesting to listen to because I I haven't done and I'm not going to do a ton of research into this deal because mm-hmm. we 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 like to focus on the foundation, right? Um, not everything that's built on top of uh, the foundation. And, um, you know, the, the the important thing to note before we really jump into this is that FTX and really any exchange is not Bitcoin. They are not the same thing. These exchanges are buying are, are making uh, are making markets. Right. 
That is their job to match buyers and sellers and they make their money. However, right. Well, with the sec, right. The sec, whenever they regulate, they, they make it, they make sure that certain practices and principles are happening and are not happening. Right. And these crypto exchanges, although they are crypto exchanges, they are selling securities. They're buying and selling securities, which is freaking 99% of all these other cryptos. And yeah. so it's important to understand before we get too much further into this, that these exchanges, any exchange that sells Bitcoin, that crashes, that goes illiquid and, bank- and files bankruptcy, that is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is completely separate. So um, getting a little further into it, dude, it is bizarre to me at this point that people still hold bitcoin if you're holding other cryptos i hope to god that it's a very small uh, portion of your portfolio uh, because most of them uh are scams outright and all of them are going to zero um well right because they're not money i mean yeah, that's like exactly. that's, that's the whole thing they're not money they shouldn't yeah. make the claim that they're money um you shouldn't really buy and sell and trade it like it's money it's not money. It's some weird like thing that's backed by another thing that's backed by another thing that's probably backed by a Bitcoin buy that they made a long time ago. That was that they sold, but they don't anyway. actually hold it. Yeah, like that. So you know, like it all came from Bitcoin anyway. So I don't know. It's kind of silly, but I actually thought something was interesting. Mark Moss is a Bitcoiner that we follow, and he had a whole thread about. Pretty much how this is a microcosm of what could definitely happen on like a global scale with USTs, Japan, things like that, and how it can kind of all blow up. And I think that's kind of what's most interesting because, you know, when Bitcoin even crashed originally this year from like 40 to 20 and things and then whatnot, or like 50 and 60 to 20, I, you know, I don't look at the price that much. I just stack, fellas, you know, that's all I do. Just <laughs> hit the button, stack it. But uh, when the price fell at that time, I don't know. It was like a lot of people quit on the situation. I mean, like, I don't know what you think. Like, it was just kind of silly, but. Um, Wait, are you saying you saying here just this past week or what are you saying? No, I'm saying like at the beginning of the year when it crashed. Oh, 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 oh yeah. A lot of this stuff was already happening. And this is just like a microcosm of things are all backed up and yeah. how you can't really back an entire exchange on things like FTT tokens. I mean, it just doesn't well, make a whole for, for sure. Absolutely. Well, so the FTT tokens you mentioned are interesting. So um, I, I, I said earlier, I'm not going to do a ton of research into this e- e- entire situation, but I have read a little bit. Um, an interesting piece. So F- FTX um, founder Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, SBF. Uh, it's funny. Dave Portnoy calls him Sam Binky. <laughs> He calls him Sam Binky. <laughs> um, this guy started originally, he started um, a trading uh, firm called Alameda or Alameda or however you, however you pronounce it. And this was <clears throat> strictly a trading firm where people would give you money and they their, their job basically is to trade in the markets and make a profit and share those profits with their investors. Um, so, so that was initially started, and then he started the exchange, FTX. And um, I guess at some point or another, Alameda was having liquidity issues. So he took FTT, right, which is the FTX-created token. They just created this, right? Talk about the hardness of money. 
they just created this, right? They just put the code in, and here we go. Now we've got all these FTT tokens. They moved that over to Alameda and loaned it to themselves, basically, right? They loaned it to themselves, and uh, and what they were doing then was using the same liquidity to prop up the exchange FTX and the firm Alameda. And I guess at one point, I think it was uh, CZ, the owner of uh, Binance, they, there was uh, some, some balance sheet statements leaked by somebody inside the FTX team, and the Binance guys caught it, and they were like, oh, they, they right out of the gate saw some red flags and said, we're liquidating, right? Like, we're liquidating. Seems like a bank on the run is imminent, whatever it was that he said. Right. And basically caused a bank run, and because there was not a l enough liquidity, uh, they ultimately ended up pausing, uh, pausing withdrawals. So, so now your money, if your money was in FTX, it's locked up. So again, <clears throat> a lot of people think that Sam Bankman Free was a spook in this situation as well. Dude, like, I see, quite literally, stuff, yeah. and some people even think that's like when Binance saw it, that's why he did like the Binance guy, CZ is his Twitter handle, um, was saying or I guess a lot of people were saying that's why he sold it. He was like, yeah, uh, this guy was clearly working with the government. I mean, you literally can go back to when the congressmen this year were saying FTX is an example of a great exchange. This is like what we want. And it's fucking, it's crypto, guys. Like, it's literally <laughs> things like this. Almost 20% of asset reserves on, for crypto.com are in Shiba Inu. But okay, so like probably take your money off of Shiba or of crypto.com. Wow, you guys oh. seem like seem like you're a great company. How are you storing the value that you have on retainage for your uh, customers, investors? How are you doing? Oh, we're storing it in rice. We've got a big silo of rice. Uh, I mean, we're storing all our values. Like, what? Shiba Inu, what the hell are we talking about? I mean, dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> this has been the greatest time to be a Bitcoiner ever. I don't even care. The price, again, it does not matter to me. Things like this are hilarious. So apparently also in FTX, it was just a big orgy for like uh, the entire yeah. time. It was just all, all 10 of them, wasn't it? And then honestly, a lot of people are going over interviews and posting these clips. And like, dude, this guy isn't smart. Like, he isn't, like, there's no reason that, like, he should have been the CEO of FTX. And now, uh, I believe the CEO that has taken over was the CEO of, like... Alameda. It was the CEO of Alameda. But it was also the CEO... This girl of, right here. Oh, no, no, no. But this... No, no, no. The new CEO of FTX is actually the former CEO of, like, Melvin Capital or Melvin Global or whatever. And he took over in 2009 when they screwed everybody out of like $20 billion. Now he's taking over when they're screwing people out of like $40 billion. I, I saw all something. I can tell you guys is don't put your Bitcoin on an exchange, man. I mean, like even a hot <laughs> Take wallet. Take it off. Even a hot wallet. You don't even have to have the node. Like it's not hard. Get some words. Get some Bitcoin. Get a little strike account. Get a swan account. And DCA and stop doing all this BS. I mean, like it's, you can't it's time so simple. Yeah, like we, we may even have to do like, uh, I mean, like like Griff said, you don't have to get it. You don't have to run a node. You don't have to go buy some incredible, uh, expensive hardware wallet. Literally freaking download Blue Wallet on your phone. Like things like this, dude. It's just so sad. Like Twitter is hot right now, and FTX hacker currently dumping millions in altcoins. Like like this is going to happen for all of these guys. 
Is your connection strong over there, Nick? Because I think it lost uh, a second. Yeah. Yep. All right. But I was Twitter, looking at my phone here. Twitter is hot right now. I mean, it's just so funny how everybody really thought that crypto was a thing. And now Bitcoiners are like, I saw yesterday somebody was like, Bitcoiners dance on the graves of their enemies like nobody else. Hey, so look at this. <clears throat> I downloaded the, uh, I've got the, the Blue Wallet app on my phone. I'm going to tap add wallet, add now. Look, then you get some options. You get to pick whether you want a Bitcoin wallet, a Lightning wallet, or even a Vault wallet that's got more security, right? Your page would look like this. You're going to click the top button that says Bitcoin. I want a Bitcoin wallet. And then I'm going to tap the blue button there that says Create. And then it's going to give me 12 words, right? That's your seed phrase. That's your private keys. Those are the keys to your wallet. You're going to write these keys down on a piece of paper. You're not going to eat it. it and you're going to then eat it and memorize and You're, you're going to memorize it, and then you're going to eat the piece of paper. Yes. That was but, good. But you probably should keep that that those keep those letter those the, maybe an alternative way. There are like yeah, there are <laughs> solutions out there. So you're gonna write these words down in order, and then you're gonna tap okay. I wrote it down, and now look at this. Bang! A brand new Bitcoin wallet with no Bitcoin in it, and now you can take from your exchange. You can uh, you see these buttons here at the bottom. They say send and receive. You say I want to receive Bitcoin. And I confirm that I've written my words down, and bang, there's my QR code, and I can even tap this uh, this string here, and it'll copy to my clipboard. Look at that. Copied to clipboard. And now I can go directly to my exchange. I can plug in that receive address, and I can send my Bitcoin to the base layer of Bitcoin, and now I've got zero counterparty risk. How about that? How about, how about counterparty risk? Let's talk about that for a second, Greg. That's been on my mind a lot recently, but it's also uh, – I was actually out to dinner last night kind of like – what was that? Well, I can't remember what the topic was. Um, it was about sales. It was legitimately just about sales, counterparty risk, sales, things like that, but also trust. You can't talk about counterparty risk if you're not going to talk about trust and trustless. Absolutely. And that's what I was talking to. Uh, I was out to dinner with a doctor and – uh, clinic director and i was just like you know what is the biggest thing to you guys like i was just kind of asking them when a rep does this how does that make you feel like because i'm good friends with these people so i just want to know like i want to know what it is about salespeople that makes it work or makes it not work insider information how literally they go trust we have to trust you and i go See, but that's a big word. I'm like, I don't understand. Nobody really can tell you what trust really means. I mean, like, that's the problem with trust when it comes to things like Bitcoin, financial markets, counterparty risk, FTX. Like, this is why self-custody is so important. Because if it's not your keys and it's not your coins, then you have to trust something or somebody. And that ultimately has been a problem with society most in my opinion most directly in money more than anything else which is why if you fix the money you fix the world probably because it's all about incentives but i mean nick that's what i would say about counterparty risk without even talking about even saying the word counterparty risk you know counterparty risk is really in my like how i define it based on what i've listened to is you have a 401k that's really nice 
you don't control the market. You yeah. have a house, but you have a 30-year mortgage. And when it's up, you pay property taxes. So technically speaking, even something as safe as a house, which I truly believe is a good thing to buy. I'm not a crazy person. It's very cool. But you have to recognize what the counterparty risk is when you buy things. And I don't think anybody's done that for a while. Um, and sure. it's the new thing. When I buy Bitcoin, I'm just like, wow. I was like, maybe I can't really sell it for a while once I transfer it to the layer one. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm just like, I mean, I'm straight. Like, it's good. It's going to be there. Like, I mean, yeah. as long as Bitcoin doesn't die, I'm probably going to work out pretty good. Well, I think I think the uh, the base of it is like when you think about counterparty risk, certain things like business in your example, right? There is going to be trust involved in the relationships you're building when you're when you're building long term business relationships, long term professional re- relationships. Yep. It's it's all about relationships, right? Uh, in, in different industries are different, right? But I know um, a lot of industries where you're going to be working with people over an extended period of time, you, you have to build trust with people, right? Because it's people working with people. That's an example where trust should be involved. You should trust the people that you're doing business with um, if you're doing good business, right? But we should not have to trust some third party for you and I to transact economic value back and forth, right? If if I'm doing this here and you're doing that over there, homeboy over here should not be involved in our transaction, right? Now, the, the interesting piece is that uh, we, we see this thing called inflation, and inflation is, is counterparty risk. Inflation is a third party manipulating the supply of money, right? Which in turn manipulates the value of our money, which in turn manipulates us transacting back and forth. But then you also got to think who is deciding what the rules are, who is deciding what the regulations and and the laws of, and, and the rules of the game, right? Who is deciding that? Because at the end of the day, they decide who is right and who is wrong in their eyes. Right. And so, you know, look at look at um, what's happening in, in Ukraine with Russia. We decided, hey, uh, we as in the United States decided that, you know, Russia is the bad guy here. So we're going to cut you from the from the swift banking system right now. We could argue about that all day, whatever. Who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Yada, yada. Um, but what about what about a situation where, um, you know, I mean, we were at one point the bad guy, America. Great Britain, we were we were the bad guy at one point because we wanted to secede, secede is that the right word from from Great Britain. We wanted to separate. They didn't like that. They wouldn't want that. You know what if you know like Texas always talks about? Oh, we're going to be our own country. What if Texas was like, hey, we're 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 going to do our own deal now. We're not going to be a part of the United States anymore. The United States is not going to like that. So they're probably going to do what they can to keep that from happening. So the question is, with counterparty risk, at what point? Not if, but at what point do you become the bad guy that they want to censor? Well, right. And if counter, if there's counterparty risk, that means trust is involved at, to a pretty high degree. Depending, honestly, I mean, I would say like counterparty risk, like how risky something is can very much depend on how much you truly have to trust something implicitly. Like sure. literally just be like, all right, try, here we go. Like, and it's, that's what I like. I would say a 401k is that. But how also all these YouTubers, Instagrammers, Twitter personalities, social media, like all of these people making good money, only fans, girls, like doesn't matter, literally does not matter right now. Everything, literally everything as gross as porn all the way to social media is centralized. 
in these centralizers are selling our data, they're selling ads, they're doing all kinds of things to manipulate people. They're buying and selling our, our attention. Yeah, I mean, like it's they're yeah. trying. It's a, it's not. I mean, it's right there in the money. You know, like it's not a conspiracy theory to say that maybe Twitter advertisers were directing you towards certain types of products, and if you get fifty percent less ads, you're going to be less likely to just start. I don't know, consuming things you otherwise wouldn't. And I just it did. It's com. It's so comical to me when I talk to people about it because marketing isn't always about like you see the ad. Oh, I'm going to get up and buy it. No, marketing is about like the long-term effect. Marketing is about why do we think cereal is actually good for us? Marketing is about how did vodka get into the United States? You know, those types of stories, not, you know, you see an ad on TV and you're like, oh, I'm going to go buy it like super quickly. No, like they're trying to propagandize things that change kids' minds, change young people's minds, more yeah. or less your mind. Um, and that's what's kind of scary about it to me because counterparty risk even goes to like Twitter. Donald Trump didn't think he could just get kicked off Twitter if he was the president. And you can hate the guy, not hate the guy. But it's kind of wild that that happened and that it still is like what yeah. is going on. And I mean, <laughs> we could get kicked off. Anybody can get kicked off. So there goes your. And that's counterparty risk, right? And there goes your source. Yeah. Do you have a website <laughs> built out? Can you post your stuff somewhere? Like yada yada. Yeah. And, um, that's another thing we should probably talk about, though, is the whole Twitter blue thing. I see so many people taking it, like taking it the wrong way, making fun of people for paying for Twitter, um, kind of like insulting people who like w- want the fake blue check mark. It's like you guys don't understand. I mean, like if you need a blue check mark to be influential, that's the problem. The blue check mark situation is more or less so that it's we are no mistake. longer the product. Right. We don't want to, the, the consumer, the person who's just on Twitter should either decide whether they want to be the product or they want to use the service and they don't want to be the product. And the product is being like sold, advertised. I mean, like what you tell your kids, like all kinds of like marketing extends pretty deep and you can't deny anybody starts getting biases once they start looking at ads and things happen, dude. Like when nobody's perfect, we're all getting these dopamine hits to our brain every six seconds nowadays. Yeah. Most of them are honestly ads. I mean, most of them because they're all paid for anyway. Well, so, the, the, the Twitter, um, the Twitter blue check, uh, deal that Elon Musk has recently done where you can pay eight bucks for those of you guys that don't know, you pay eight bucks a month and you can get the, the Twitter verified check mark. Um, it's very proof of stake, right? It, it plays into, um, in, in my mind, what would be the, the sin, sin nature of pride. Um, it, it plays to people feeling like they've accomplished or deserve or have earned something, right? And oh, so you're, you don't like the blue shock mark. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. You know, like I don't like go do your deal, like do whatever you want to do. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny. Like I, I feel like, um, I mean like the verification deal, like i I don't know. I, I have, I guess I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I think it's good in some sense. Cause it, then it's like, Hey, at least, at least like all of the bots that are out there. Um, I mean, we talked about this, right? Like all the bots that are on Twitter. What if it, in order to get rid of all the bots, you had to, you know, stream a couple sats um, to Twitter or some through Twitter or whatever to verify that, Hey, I'm a real person. Like, yeah. I think that that, it could be good in that sense, potentially. Right. But then, but then you also get now, um, you know, because people are swayed, right? People are swayed easily, uh, and 
so now what if you've got some some bozo that has a has you know paid his eight bucks for his verification check mark and uh, and then starts influencing people uh, because people see that he's got a check mark, but then also at the same time, right? The whole thing has to be everything that we do should be built on personal responsibility. So if you're seeing dumb stuff and you think that it's cool and you start doing that same dumb stuff, well, then you, you might just be dumb, you know? <laughs> yeah, but my, my point more so on like the Twitter thing and why I kind of like it, like that's the direction that those social media outlets should go to mm-hmm. is partly in due to what's on the screen right now, which is 2020 ad revenue for Twitter was $562 million. That's a lot of money that people are throwing at you that you don't really realize that you're being sold. Like, you know, and that's kind of the thing about marketing and the whole social media thing is if everybody just accesses it for free, you're the product. Yeah. If everybody had to pay, Twitter wouldn't need ad revenue and therefore Twitter would be the product. But the problem with Twitter and most social media, in my opinion, is that people are the product And now people with these check marks are upset that Twitter is establishing this new way of doing things when I think that is dumb. Because if they start taking $8.99 from you, they also no no longer need a cut of your views. They no longer need a cut of your advertisement revenue. They no longer need a cut of certain things because you are the one using the product that is whatever platform is out there. And that, in my opinion, is what makes the internet have the potential to be powerful, more sovereign, a real place for people to do business. But the problem, in my opinion, right now is it's like, dude, our digital identity is more or less slavery. I mean, you can definitely play the game like guys like Mr. Beast and uh, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. And um, and I think that's very smart. I mean, making money is smart, but they even have to recognize at the end of the day that they have to go shh when they tell them to go shh and who, I mean, who really wants that? That's not really, that's not right. Um, And that's not right to the consumer as well, because we don't know. And that's why I think what Elon Musk at least is starting to do with Twitter is go, okay, pay $8.99. You'll get 50% less ads and you can do like kind of a whole bunch of different features that other people can't do. So if you were to deliver a product, you can deliver now a better product than somebody who doesn't have the blue check mark. I didn't realize that if you bought the blue check mark that it they reduced the ads. Huh? They I didn't realize that they reduce ad ad streams that come through yep. with the with the blue check mark. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think I mean that's like that's kinda like what we had talked about. Um when we had talked about that Bitcoin node business, right? Uh, right. The, the idea was, you know, you, you set up you do a one time setup fee for the actual node itself and then you have an ongoing subscription service for a software that allows you to take all that information within the Bitcoin system and, uh, and regurgitate it out in some nice charts and, um, you know, statistics that show you good metrics or whatever. Right. But that service being paid by the user instead of through ad streams, right. And ad revenue. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that that it should work that way too. Cause I think a lot of people start to start to think just because it has been so accessible, um, that social media platforms are almost like a public service, like they're a public good, you know? And it's like, no, these are private companies. Well, not private companies necessarily. Uh, most of them are all public companies, but they're, but they're like a software, right? Whenever you go in to use their software, you use their server and their platform, like you are a- 
you are literally by definition agreeing to their terms and services. Like you can't download the app and use the app without agreeing to their terms and services. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big piece, right? So it's like the same is true with exchanges here. Um, if you want to use an exchange because of the efficiencies, and this was one of the Dave Portnoy's deals uh, on the conversation with Jack Mallers. If you want the ease of use uh, of, of an exchange because of, because of the centralization of exchanges, they're able to make the user experience a lot better, right? Uh, versus a decentralized uh, system like Bitcoin. Well, they're, they're able to do it faster. Because they're, they're, exactly. That was what I was getting at was, you know, with, with a decentralized system like Bitcoin, it takes longer to develop uh, because there's not one single person that's like, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. Now, again, we're prioritizing the security and, and the decentralization of, of Bitcoin versus how fast we can make it grow. Um, but but if you want to use the exchange experience, well, then you can do that. That's fine. But understand the counterparty risk you're undertaking, right? I what did you have pulled up there? What was what was the deal with the uh, with that sandwich? That that was a good looking sandwich you had pulled up there. He was saying how he got his BlockFi credit card last year. Now that he can't use it anymore. No, I can't even use it. <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred percent. I mean, well, okay. And, so and all we want, I mean, just, I mean, in my opinion, to wrap it up, all I want from social media platforms in the future, where I personally would say the future is, and I think these things are being built on like the impervious browser, uh, whatever the protocol is that Jack tweeted out, Jack Marlers and Strike and Lightning are helping build a lot of these things out interoperatively. But where I think it is, is, okay, there are platforms and Nick and Griff can do literally anything they want to their page. Like, you know, like you go, you type these boys up on these platforms and you, oh, here's Nick's everything. His Twitter, his Instagram, his Facebook, his videos, whatever they wanted to create for you and their profile online, their digital identity. They can do that. We can learn how to code. We can build new things on our part of the protocols, on our part of the internet. We should be able to do whatever we want. Think about some of these ideas people have had, like Vine or TikTok. Somebody should have been able to just make that on their page, and then that is how it spread. Not, oh, they sold it and then got a bunch of users and then centralized it and then sold ad revenue. I think the future is somebody has that idea. They build it onto their page. You can go see it on their page, and then people start copying them. And, like, it grows from more of a individual basis which it's, I think or, it's more organic cool. you know it's like it's well, like it's, it's like a regular idea that you got in your head that you tell somebody about and then it ultimately turns into a business two or three well, years down the line or whatever ultimately i also think it makes it like potentially possible for things like uh agriculture and farming like people out where you live in oklahoma and kansas and whatnot to start growing economies faster because now guys like me who like living near a city mostly because of just like how easy it is to live here right now with Wi-Fi, things like that. But maybe I want to go live somewhere else. And it's just like these other obstacles, like actually being able to make money and participate in the economy and be in the real world. Now I can build my website and profile online for my farm and wherever the hell in Wyoming. And I can be connected and I can ship things out and do whatever to actually make money. But if I had to go through some centralized platform, all of a sudden I'm at the mercy of the gods, basically. What percentage do you charge? What can I do for you? And it's like, dude, you're the one selling the product. So the only charge should really be like, 
I don't know. Like the product. I know there should be, dude. You buy like whatever you paid to put into making the product. And then the internet is so great and Bitcoin is so great. Should be pretty much 99.99% of profit goes to you. And boom, that is, I think, the game changer because it's not just entertainment. It's every industry and every sole proprietorship and entrepreneur can now go anywhere in the world and do their thing. And Bitcoin, I think, enables that in the internet, but I don't know. And I hope, I don't know if Elon has that kind of vision. I mean, like the dude probably just wants to make money, but I think him at least changing the game up and like offering that as a solution and sticking to it is like, is obviously going to radicalize like what other people do because people are going to realize soon when they're on Instagram, they're like, why am I looking at so many ads? And when I'm on Twitter, there are no ads. I'm going to go to Twitter. I bet that Twitter gets so popular as Elon keeps tweeting. There's more users. I bet it gets so popular. I bet it becomes like the biggest thing. Twitter is huge. Everything that's said on Twitter controls every election. Like it already kind of has. Like, I just think it's going to be way bigger than everything else because he's, he made the right move. It's that's more towards where we need to go. He sure. understands that. He understands well, I think uh, <clears throat> if I zoom out uh, thinking about FTX again here and what happened over the past week, um, it's important for the listeners to remember FTX and all the other exchanges are not Bitcoin and Bitcoin is not crypto in, in, in all of the, in this, the same way that all of these other cryptos are crypto crypto is, is the, the degenerate scam, right? It's the, uh, it's the poser. They're the guys that are, that are, they're, they're just companies selling security in their own equity in their own companies via these crypto tokens, right? Uh, so, a be weary of those. If you're playing around in the crypto game, it better it it, pro, it should definitely be a small portion of your portfolio. I mean, that's like super aggressive, high risk, high reward. Like these are all going to zero. You might make some money in the short term, but remember, crypto is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not exchanges. These things are separate, completely separate infrastructures. If Fidelity, if you've got if you've got money in a Fidelity account and Fidelity for whatever reason goes goes out of business tomorrow, that does not that does not mean that the companies that you hold within your investment account within with Fidelity, that does not mean that those companies are are going to zero. That means that the exchange had bad problems and the exchange did not handle its problems properly. Now a, a ton of people owned Bitcoin, bought and owned Bitcoin. Well, we say owned. They didn't quite own it, but they, they bought Bitcoin and it was held within the exchange. That is a custodial service. That means the exchange is holding your Bitcoin for you. Well, now that, that withdrawals have been locked, that means that the Bitcoin you held in your custodial account within FTX in this example is no, no longer accessible until they make it accessible, if they ever do, right? If they end up having to liquidate, they end up having to liquidate, well, then uh, the creditors go first. The, 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 the actual depositors of the funds are the last people that, that get paid out if a company has to liquidate. So the, the question is, what is the answer? If you're going to buy, you can buy Bitcoin on pretty much any exchange, Um I think most I think most of them you can self custody from, meaning you can send it to your own wallet where you've got your own keys. I think you can do that on most of them. The question then becomes, um, or the questions should become: If I want to buy Bitcoin, 
am I able to, with this service that I'm buying it through, am I able to self-custody this Bitcoin? And what fee am I paying to buy this Bitcoin? If, if you are paying a shit ton in fees to buy Bitcoin, you're doing it wrong. Go, you, you can go find, go, if, if you're, you're probably able, wherever you're at listening, you're probably able to download Strike and buy Bitcoin for zero fees. Um, and I think you can do that on several other uh, platforms as well. Um, but you need to self-custody your Bitcoin. If you have got Bitcoin on exchanges, you don't actually own that Bitcoin. It's, it's, uh, it's a difference in living in, in, in the house and living in the house and also owning the house, right? If you, don't, if you don't actually own the Bitcoin in your own keys, that is not your Bitcoin. And if the exchange that you're holding your Bitcoin on goes down, that does not mean that Bitcoin is bad. That means that the exchange is bad. Now, are we going to see short-term price reflections of that? Uh, of course. I mean, dude, of course. Like tons of people had money in Bitcoin in FTX and FTX goes down, it causes uncertainty looking forward in the entire industry of crypto, which Bitcoin is included in. Bitcoin is included in that in most people's minds, right? You and I know that, and the listeners know that Bitcoin is not crypto, right? Like crypto is crypto. And, but, but we've, we've got to remember, right? If, if, if you are not holding the keys to the wallet that your Bitcoin is in, you do not own the Bitcoin. You are renting that Bitcoin. You are renting ownership of that Bitcoin. Whoever holds the keys to the wallet that owns the Bitcoin actually owns the Bitcoin. So when you buy Bitcoin, self-custody it. Put it on a wallet. It's as simple as what I showed earlier. Download Blue Wallet on your phone. Create a Bitcoin wallet. Write down your 12 words and move your Bitcoin to a Blue Wallet. It's, it's that simple. You can worry about starting a node and getting hardware wallet. You can worry about that later. As long as you get it just somewhere else off of the exchange, then you're safe. Do you agree, Griff? What would you add to that? I would very much agree. I think we both have just been like going off because it's been such like a no. I mean, like nobody likes to see. No, I do. We've all been waiting for this. If you've been in Bitcoin, (laughs) you've been waiting for this. This is fantastic. This is what you want to see. I don't care. I mean, like, who really knows what the real price of any asset is in the world today in regards to the dollar price of it? I mean, I'm betting things at the end of this whole thing, this recession or whatever we're in, Nick. Here's my bet. It ultimately goes all way up. Everything goes way up to oblivion. Why? Because they printed 40% of the dollars and the dollar is lost. Because the dollar is going to zero. Inflation is not transitory. So we will never go back to the prices we were at two years ago. And they did it too quickly to where everybody's like, this is complete BS. Like our society is not like it is. Things aren't going well. Look at the treasury markets. Look at the unemployment. Look at where things are going. It's not going well. Look at all the layoffs from companies that don't actually profit and just had people in positions sitting at home doing nothing. I mean, there were so many things in our economy that were inflated, you know, because inflation is a dangerous, dangerous game. And so I think me and Nick are just kind of going off because it's like all of these things, whether it's the recession, whether it's the crypto exchanges, whether it's the layoffs, it's like, all right, whether it's Elon putting $8 on Twitter, it's like, these are all things that people in Bitcoin have been talking about for a while. If you've been paying attention and you've been in the weeds, like Nick and I are on our Twitter pages and whatnot, we have been like, 
doing this for a year. We've been in the weeds. You're 100% right. Get your, get a hot wallet. If you want to go further and get a node, get a node. I'm, I'm actually going to venture into that here pretty soon and get myself a node and start running one. I think that's super cool. Uh, I think if I ever owned a property in my life, I think running a Bitcoin monitor is advantageous. I think that's something that everybody should probably just start doing. Um, and I think they're going to do it. So it's a good time to be a Bitcoiner because we don't know as people who probably put a good chunk of our investment money right now as young people. I know I do. I don't need to explain how much, but like all of it. I mean, like it's for me, it's <laughs> either, for me, it's either cash or it's Bitcoin because I'm not going to buy other assets right now that are in all of this uncertainty with all this counterparty risk because uh, FTX is just a microcosm of what our central banks are. I mean, actually, it might not even, it might be, you know, not even as bad. I mean, it might literally just be like one for one in that category. So uh, if you're a Bitcoiner, these are nice wins, um, but there's more to come. I mean, like this is not over. It's going to just keep on rolling. And I don't know. We'll see. But as if Bitcoin survives, we'll be good. I mean, we know that, and that's all that all all that needs to happen is that Bitcoin survives. I mean, like that's it. Somebody just needs a copy of that damn ledger, and we're cooking, you know. And like that's it. Um, I think it's uh, something else. I think is important to note, Griff, that we've kind of talked about a little bit before too. Um, is that you know, we, as much as we talk about Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin is is not like the only thing when it comes to personal finances. There is so much more to your personal finances than just buying Bitcoin. You need to manage your cash flow appropriately. You need to be saving. Uh, you need to be saving money, right? Whether that's in cash, in in Bitcoin, you need to be saving like whatever is in your your personal life, right? Whatever is happening in your life, what is the best strategy for you? Only you are able to know, or, or somebody that's able to help you. But you've got to manage inflows of, of money. You've got to manage outflows of money, which is typically called budgeting, right? Yeah. Uh, people, people a lot of times look at budgeting as a negative thing. Um, you've got to view it as, as, a, as an accounting principle. Like you literally just need to account for what is coming in and what is going out so that I know where my money is going. So that then once you know what you've got going in and going out, what you've got left over, now, now you're able to decide with design, right, with intention, okay, now how do I want to manage and, and grow and steward and give and how can I serve others? Like then, then you can start asking those questions, which is where investments come, which is where purchasing Bitcoin comes, which is where storing cash comes, buying real estate, starting businesses. That's, then that's what happens, right? So I want to I say that to say Bitcoin is not the one and only answer uh, to all of your problems, right? You still have to budget. You still have to manage those things appropriately. Yeah, um, Bitcoin but, is Bitcoin is the you know the money. I mean, like, but at the end of the day, life is on you. No, I mean it's, it's personal responsibility, right? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. You yeah. know what I would say though, too, Nick, because I was deep diving this whole Twitter thing yesterday, and what I think we need to start talking about a lot more is less about the world and how you know it's failing. Bitcoin was pretty much right about a lot of it. You know, they were like, yeah, uh, I don't know the Swan Bitcoin and a lot of these like OG Bitcoiners were like, all of these guys are insolvent. They've been saying it for months. I mean, literally, we've been saying it for months. So like they don't have they don't have it. And I'm like, the banks don't have it. And it's pretty it's pretty funny. But I was deep diving lightning yesterday 
And dude, there are so many lightning companies out there. I mean, like literally I feel so behind now and it stresses that part stresses me out because as Nick knows, it's like, I think lightning is the future. I think building a business on lightning, is like probably the most advantageous thing you can do as a uh, sole proprietor uh, corporation. I think getting involved into that network is like the most important thing you could be doing right now in business. Um, and there are things being built, Nick. I mean, like a lot of things. And I, yeah. we're going to start getting some of these guests on. I know Nick has been reading some books, actually, of some Bitcoiners that we're going to have to start having on here. Um, we're also going to start having on Lightning developers because this is a podcast about learning. And Nick and I, on our 50th episode, we were talking about it last night. It's like recommitting to learning is hard in this space, bro. I mean, because you already learned so much. You feel you're like, all right, like how much more is there to learn? Well, well, especially when you're busy with other parts of your life too, you know, it's like, this is for sure a hobby and other things are much more important than Bitcoin, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it it can be tough to like, okay, let's dive back in. Let's, you know, let's, let's really dive into some new topic or new, new side of Bitcoin. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. I love Bitcoin. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really fun. But I've got a lot of other things that are much more important in my life than Bitcoin, <laughs> well, yeah, which is funny because we're on episode 50 of our Bitcoin centric podcast. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing more important in my life than Bitcoin, to be honest with you, because it's I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I, maybe you really think so. That's a bold, that's a bold statement, Griff. I mean, like Sierra is more important, like her protection is more important, like certain things like that. Absolutely. But. Uh, no, I mean, I truly feel like the world is quite off, off its rocker. I mean, like I more or less do kind of feel like we, we're not living in a dark age because there's been so much great advancement and technology built and things of that nature, but we're in a dark age of how we view other people. We're in a dark age of how we view other countries. I mean, war and all these things, like we're in a dark age of nation states running everything, literally little kids making decisions for everybody. And I do truly think now to to the point they're influencing our lives to every single degree. So it's like if we don't start fixing the money or we don't start promoting and accelerating Bitcoin faster, then our kids are going to have to live under this as well. And so I do kind of feel like it's coming to a point where, you know, getting a little bit more involved or turning your hobby up a notch and maybe actually building a business on Lightning, maybe actually going out and getting the node to grow the Bitcoin network might be something, if you really believe in this, is something you should start doing because they're starting to squeeze in, guys. Do you know how they actually combat inflation? Biden tweeted out yesterday, oh, well, first president ever two years to actually shrink the deficit 1.7 trillion. Who knows how statistically true it really is? Who really knows whatever? But if that is true, they can only get money back like a couple ways. Taxes or taxes. So it's coming out of your pocket. And the only way we get the deficit down is you, the U.S. citizen. It's not, we're not winning any trade battles, guys. We're, the Japan is selling every treasury they have right now. So they're only going to be able to shrink this deficit by taxing you. And I, I don't or, know. Or printing money. But Well, yes, that is number two. <laughs> or borrowing. That is a tax, though. I mean, inflation is a tax. I mean, it's like, it's a tax because it's something that the government tax. does. At this point, they do control the money. And they're the ones who ask for the money and they're the ones who control the policy that spends the money. So effectively, the inflation, in my opinion, is a tax. But you're right. Like they can print the money. And honestly, if anybody here thinks that they're going to be able to keep shrinking this thing 
while things are still like, do you know how we've increased interest rates higher than it was in 2008 when it crashed the economy? And we're still going. That's how bad inflation is. But we're not even talking about the other side of the equation, which is also pretty bad. I mean, like we have a housing market that was propped up on zero percent interest rates from 2009 on. So it's I mean, that's why I think what I say when I come all the way back to Bitcoin is probably the most I mean, one or two, like why I feel like it should start becoming one, two or three in my life, you know, whether it become work, my marriage or fiance, soon to be marriage. Like that's obviously important. But Bitcoin has got to be up there if you're a freedom fighter, in my opinion, if you're somebody who really does believe that, like, the new world is definitely being built and it's not like a new world order. It's a Bitcoin. It's a Bitcoin world. I mean, like in that, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. I think it could be beautiful. But uh, for sure, who knows? I mean, it's going to be a tough ride, bro. I mean, it's already getting pretty tough. So we'll see. Well, Griff, I uh, I thought the conversation was kind of fun. You know, it's interesting. You see all the stuff that happens over the week, and you know, we we t- we chat a little bit back and forth through the week via text. And we, you know, it's funny. We we always call each other. You call me, and I'm like, oh man, I'm busy doing this thing. And then I call you when I'm free, and you're busy doing that thing. Um, but man, it's always interesting to see like little things that happen throughout the week. And then uh, it's always fun, of course, coming here on on Saturday mornings and get to hang out and chat about it and stuff. And we appreciate you guys listening. Um, come check us out uh, down here on Twitter. It is at Nick and Griff Show. It's all spelled out N-Y-C-A-N-D-G-R-I-F-F. Griff is two Fs. G-R-I-F-F-S-H-O-W. Nick and Griff Show. You can also go to nickandgriffshow.com. That'll shoot you to our link tree, which will take you to all the platforms we're on. So um, if you guys also are not listening or, or if you guys are not watching, sorry, uh, we've got video on Spotify and on YouTube, so come uh, come check us out on those two platforms, and you can uh, kind of see us a little bit. Sometimes we share stuff on the screen. Uh, sometimes when we do article reads, we'll bring it up so you guys can follow along and stuff. But come hit us on Twitter. We'd love to talk to you guys. Um, Griff, uh, it was another good Saturday, man, and I'll see you next weekend.